Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 with me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects and also to provide refresher episodes for practicing architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari. And this week, we will be talking about the Pre-Construction Services Agreement, also known as PCSA. Today's episode meets PC5 of the Part 3 criteria. So what do we mean when we say pre-construction services agreement? So this type of agreement tends to be used to appoint a contractor to carry out services before they enter into a formal building contract. It can also be referred to as a pre-contraction agreement, which is used in a two-stage tendering process to obtain further design input Uh, buildability advice, technical advice, and detailed cost information from a prospective uh, contractor. So the PCSA is a formal agreement to provide specific services and sometimes to carry out specific works. Uh, It shouldn't be considered as a letter of intent. Uh, Just to quickly cover two-stage tendering, Uh, This process has been developed to meet the desire for integrating the supply chain into a project team at an early point in the project. This then allowed the employer to tap into the contractor's expertise and gain advice on matters such as cost and buildability. At the first stage, there is uh, little detailed project information available and contractors compete on the basis of their track record and expertise. Then at the second stage, the successful contractor works with the client and other consultants to develop the design to meet the client's requirements. And once the package of information is considered sufficiently complete, the contractor then would submit a tender for undertaking the project. And if acceptable, the contractor will be appointed for the project. Now reverting back to the PCSA itself, there are two types of pre-construction service agreements one for a general contractor and the other is for a specialist. The PCSA for a general contractor is for the supply of pre-construction services by a contractor selected under the two-stage tendering procedure and where the main contract is to be either a JCT standard building contract, design and build, major project construction contract, intermediate building contract, or intermediate building contract with contractor's design. So the PCSA for a general contractor can be used whether or not the contractor is to be responsible for any design work, where there is to be novation to the contractor of any specialist uh, subcontracts or supply contracts, or in the case of a design and build contract or major project construction contract, any consultancy agreement. It can also be used by both private and local authority employers, And in a JCT construction management procedure for the provision of pre-construction services by prospective trade contractors with some minor adaptions required. Now, the PCSA for a general contractor wouldn't be suitable for use between the employer and specialist subcontractors, except as prospective trade contractors in a JCT construction management procurement. It's also not suitable between a contractor and a subcontractor or in conjunction with the JCT management building contract. Now, in terms of the agreement form itself, 
It is a contract between the employer and the contractor, and the contractor's principal duty is to perform pre-construction services in accordance with the employer's requirements, the statutory requirements, and the program. The contractor is also required under the agreement to exercise the skill, care, and diligence reasonably expected of a contractor experienced in projects of similar size, scope, and complexity, and they are also expected to carry the required professional indemnity insurance to cover their liability, as well as maintaining public liability insurance. Now, if the services include design work, the contractor will have no liability to the employer for this design unless and until the main contract is entered into. Now, under the agreement, the employer is also required to identify an employer's agent for the pre-construction phase, and the contractor is required to appoint a representative and key personnel for the pre-construction phase. There is also an optional provision where the contractor agrees that they will accept the novation of other team members or specialists should they be awarded the project contract. So the agreement is for the interim appointment of a general contractor by the employer to carry out pre-construction services, as mentioned under a two-stage procedure. So the appointment follows the first stage tenders and covers the period leading up to the contractor's submission of a definitive second stage tender and then entry into the main contract for the construction phase. So as well as setting out the terms under which the services are provided and the second stage criteria, it also sets out the form of construction contract to be entered into for the construction project. So the appointment will enable the contractor to assist the consultant team with the development of detailed designs and development of the main contract works and specialist tender documents. So the contractor's involvement at the pre-construction stage is widely viewed as being valuable and often essential in the final design process and preparations for the construction phase, including the program, cost plans, buildability and specialist procurement. Now, if the contractor fails to complete the pre-construction services in accordance with the program, this would be deemed as a breach of contract, which may entitle the the employer to claim uh, damages. Similarly, if the contractor is delayed by events which are beyond their control and are related to the project, they would be entitled to adjust their fees for the services. So using the PCSA agreement, provides opportunities to explore non-traditional approaches to procurement and it also offers those which seek to collaborate the scope to work together in achieving the common objective of of a successful uh, project outcome. So the agreement also includes provisions relating to BIM and whether or not the contractor is to be responsible for design work. The PCSA can still be used unless otherwise agreed uh, in the provision of services Any liability will only arise once a contract for the construction works is executed. Now, if for any reason the employer is not satisfied with the services of the contractor or their performance, the employer is allowed to suspend the contractor for the whole or any part of the pre-construction services at any time by issuing a 14-day notice And if a dispute arises, the parties have the contractual right to refer the dispute to adjudication. So that covers the PCSA agreement for a general contractor. Now let's look at the second form, which is a PCSA for a specialist. 
So this type of agreement is for the supply of pre-construction services by a specialist to either an employer or the actual or prospective main contractor on substantial and or complex projects prior to entry into a subcontract for construction or installation works. So this would typically take place again during a two-stage tender process and the services must be listed by the parties. So this type of agreement can be used where the main contract is to be the JCT standard building contract or design and build or the major project construction contract, management building contract, intermediate building contract or intermediate building contract with contractor's design. So this type of agreement can be used whether or not the specialist is to be responsible for any design work, where the pre-construction services agreement is to be with the employer, but the benefit of the specialist tender may be assigned to the main contractor. And it can also be used by both private and local authority employers. Now, it's not suitable between the employer and the main contractor for which the other version of the agreement would be suitable that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and it would not be suitable between the employer and a professional consultant. Now, in terms of the agreement form itself, it's an agreement between the purchaser and the specialist. And the specialist's principal duty is to perform pre-construction services in accordance with the purchaser's requirements, the statutory requirements and the program and they must comply with all instructions issued by the purchaser. So the specialist is also required under the agreement to exercise the skill, care and diligence reasonably expected of a specialist contractor experienced in the types of work to which the services relate for projects of similar size, scope and complexity. They are also expected to carry the required professional indemnity insurance to cover their liability for design and details set out in the particulars, as well as maintaining public liability insurance. If the services include design work, the specialist will have no liability to the purchaser for this design unless and until a subcontract is entered into or until the specialist is required to enter into a collateral warranty. Now, if the specialist fails to complete the pre-construction services in accordance with the programme, this would be deemed as a breach of contract entitling the purchaser to claim damages. So the specialist is also forbidden from selecting or recommending materials that don't comply with the guidance in the good practice in the selection of construction materials published by the British Council for Offices. Under the agreement, the purchaser is also required to identify a representative for the pre-construction phase and the specialist is required to appoint a representative and key personnel for the pre-construction phase. Now, as mentioned, this agreement is designed for the interim appointment of a specialist to carry out pre-construction services for either the employer or the actual or prospective main contractor. And it also requires the specialist to work cooperatively with other project team members to achieve the client's requirements. There is an optional provision whereby the specialist may be required to submit a second stage tender and if the specialist is engaged by the employer, there is provision for the benefit of its second stage tender to be assigned to the main contractor and that the specialist agrees to this.
So the specialist will not be liable for their design services during this period unless and until they enter into a subcontract with the contractor or a collateral warranty with the employer. So this version of the agreement is likely to be used on substantial or complex projects prior to entering into subcontracts for construction or installation work. So the appointment enables the specialist to be involved and give advice during the pre-construction period. And it's at this time, not during the construction phase, that the purchaser assisted by the contractor and relevant specialists is able to derive the greatest benefit from value engineering exercises. So if the purchaser requires additional services from the specialist, the agreement allows for them to do so to the extent that they are within the scope of the project and the specialist's competence. And similarly, if the specialist wishes to claim any additional fee, loss and expense or additional time due to providing additional services or to any delaying event, the specialist must notify the purchaser with the details. Then, upon receiving the notification, the adjustment will be agreed between the purchaser and the specialist. So the PCSA agreement provides opportunities to explore non-traditional approaches to procurement and offers those which seek to collaborate the scope to work together in achieving the common objective of a successful project outcome. It also includes provisions relating to BIM and it can be used whether or not the specialist is to be responsible for design work but unless otherwise agreed in the provisions of services, any liability will only arise once a contract for the construction works is executed or additionally a collateral warranty with the employer has been executed. Now, if for any reason the purchaser is not satisfied with the services provided by the specialist, the purchaser is allowed to suspend the specialist for the whole or any part of the pre-construction services at any time by issuing a 14-day notice. And if a dispute arises, the parties do have the contractual right to refer the dispute to adjudication. I should also mention that such uh, PCSA agreements with specialists can include, uh, for example, bringing on board a facade uh, specialist. Uh, so you might be doing a project where you want a specific uh, facade system to be used. So you bring on board the company that manufactures that facade system. Uh, and you bring them on board to advise and to uh, help with detailing what needs to be done so that all provisions are in the design and incorporated for the tender to enable that facade system to be used. So that covers the PCSA for a specialist. To sum up what I discussed today, generally a pre-construction services agreement is a type of agreement that tends to be used to appoint a contractor or a specialist to carry out services before entering into a formal building contract. There are two types of pre-construction service agreements, one for a general contractor and the other is for a specialist. The PCSA for a general contractor is for use where an employer wishes to appoint a contractor to undertake services before a main contract is let. This would typically occur during a two-stage tender process. It would also be suitable for the provision of a pre-construction services by uh, prospective trade uh, contractors in a construction management arrangement. The services must be listed by the parties as well as the fees for those services. 
and the contractor agrees that if awarded the project, they will accept the novation of specified consultants and specialists. Now, the PCSA for a specialist is for use where an employer or contractor wish to appoint a specialist contractor to provide services prior to entering into a subcontract for construction or installation work. And this would typically occur during a two-stage tender process. And it may also be used in relation to other forms, such as the JCT standard building contract, prior to the specialist being listed or named in the main contract. And under this agreement, the services must be listed by the parties as well as the fees for those services. There is also an optional provision within the agreement whereby the specialist may be required to submit a second stage tender. And where the specialist is engaged by the employer, there is provision for the benefit of its second stage tender to be assigned to the contractor. So that covers what I wanted to discuss today in terms of the PCSAs. As always, I like to provide you guys with a scenario just to put what I just went through into context. So let's say you were asked to design a high-risk building, uh, which would obviously fall under the Building Safety Act. And the practice has concerns over the intricate facade design which the client wishes to use that the practice is not certain on how to design and how to specify, and they must also be mindful of the provisions of the Building Safety Act. So in such a scenario, the practice would recommend to the client to engage the company that provides this system using a PCSA for a specialist to provide pre-construction services using a two-stage tender process to assist the practice from REBA Stage 3 in incorporating the system into the design and providing the necessary information for the change control plan and for the fire statement required for Gateway 2 submission with the assistance of a fire engineer in order to ensure that the facade system meets the necessary requirements under Part B of the building regulations and also providing the necessary information for the building regulations submission at Gateway 3. So the key benefit for the use of a PCSA is that the services obtained help to improve the buildability of the project and also implement the specialist knowledge and skills at an early date, which then obviously helps improve the buildability and deliverability of the project. And that covers what I wanted to discuss today. And that concludes today's episode. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more part three with me time.